good people and inhabitants of planet Earth, both foreign and domestic. Welcome to the Dear Human Paradox. I'm your host, Darius Riddick, and I would like to thank you for joining me in what is nominally the next stage of evolution for humankind. For those of you joining us for the first time or if you're joining us for the hundredth time, but to all of you, welcome. And thank you for your investment of the invaluable asset that is time, a finite resource of which we do not know how much we have at any given period. So for you to spend any here uh, is a catalyst, a catalyst to great change. And furthermore, the reason why I will always do my best to ensure that your investment is well invested. On this day in history, as we usually uh, have as a precursor (laughs) to the episode, lost my train of thought there. Uh, uh, December 28th, 1895, the first commercial movie was ever screened. Now, is that applicable to what we're talking about today? Probably not. But as we always say, in order to have any idea and intelligence of where we are, we must, we must reflect on the ingenuity and where we have been to combine the two and have foresight of the innovation and where we are going in the future, because it is up to us. It is our duty to begin to understand these principles and to furthermore put them into action to save and secure prosperity for future generations. So with that being said, of course, you know, you've probably seen the title for today's episode and you have an idea of why we are here. You will have some understanding of what it is that we're going to do. And that is to wrap up our discussion with our arch enemy of, of obesity in the obesity uh, epidemic. So, in the first episode, okay, in the first part of the three-part saga, we talked a lot about the statistics and the prevalence and who it applies to, right? We looked at the adult prevalence, the child prevalence, and why this is such an important topic, right? The, the numbers, as a verdict, are going up. And as something that's an epidemic, it is typically viewed as temporary. Unfortunately, with no solution at bay, numbers continuously going up means that something at the current time isn't temporary. We don't know if something is going to be temporary. So if it's just continuously going up, it's not necessarily going to be temporary, which means that in order to save, and this is going to sound really cliche, in order to save the future, we must ensure that we're taking actions, taking proactive steps today in order to save tomorrow. Now, how do we do that? It's very simple, right? And I'm not going to, now do not confuse simplicity with ease, okay? It is simple, not easy. However, with technology and modern medicine and medical applications being more uh, available and, and, and more developed than they ever have been, that means we have a better understanding and a better application for the tools and resources at hand. And we talked a little bit about that in the second episode where we kind of looked at identifying health negative patterns and how the trend has evolved from our, our hunter-gatherer ancestors into modern society and where where the conflict can uh, originates. Like, why is it that once upon a time where movement was the 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 primary determinant for our, our food, our shelter, and furthermore, our survival has now become something that works against us? So uh, that's one of the, the, the cruxes of innovation. And we discussed a lot about that in the second episode, and we even discussed some methods to improve lifestyle habits. We identified that one of the primary causes is, or predicates, or are the habits, okay? The habits and, and the patterns that that uh, lead to the, the culmination of obesity, okay? Because it's not just like you wake up one day and boom, obese, okay? So we recognize that 
it, it's some there's things that happen over time, and, and, and we recognize that as habits and patterns. Now there are so many study, studies out there that show us what these habits and these patterns are. They tell us exactly why we should be looking at this. Why is this topic so important? Okay, so um, as we got further into the episode, and we did personal life, and, and I'm going through these really quick, just based on what I remember what we talked about. But if you need to know more about the episode is there. So go back and listen to it. Okay. Um, So fast forward throughout the episode. We discuss how obesity is no longer just a personal issue. It's become a national concern with severe implications to the healthcare system, taxes, economy, spending, and just overall quality of life. Right. Because there's people out there that we care about. We don't want to see them just go to the wayside. We don't want to see their health decline and go down because people, frankly, are becoming statistics. And what I mean when I say they're becoming statistics, they are dying much faster, much more rapidly in greater numbers than they should. Okay. And these are by non-communicable diseases. So we're not talking about things that happen at random anomalies or things that, uh, uh, you know, you were born with or things that you, you, that progress and you can't do anything about. We're talking about things that our actions are direct and co- are direct co-contributors to why they progress meaning that we can do something about them, okay? So it's time that we confront this enemy of the state and explore some viable solutions. So that's where we lead to now as far as trends concerning obesity in America to give a glimpse into what the future holds. And um, and, and if the issue continues unchecked and if we succeed in turning the tide. So currently... There are various interventions and solutions being employed to address the obesity epidemic. Okay, we could go through all of them and I could talk to them a bunch of detail. I could lecture you. I could I could do all this stuff, but it's boring. And a lot of people just truly don't care about that. Okay, we're going to lose my audience. People are going to start wondering why the heck we're even still talking about this, because our focus is optimal performance. But we must understand our enemy and the inhibitor to optimal performance on a mass scale. Right. So from a medical medical perspective. You have uh, bariatric surgeries, okay? You have you have gastric bypass, gastric bands. You have weight management medications, and then there are specialists that give like comprehensive lifestyle intervention programs. And of course, they're being increasingly utilized, right? But I have this theory, okay? <clears throat> I have this theory: if we focus on promoting healthier eating programs, eating and <laughs> eating, increasing physical activity. Um, and enhancing well-being and uh, enhancing mental well-being. And I did speak on eating to have better eating habits. Then essentially each person can not only prevent obesity, but it's very possible to reverse it. And I'm not going to say exactly what that methodology is yet. But over time, we're going to discuss more of what that would actually look like. So. Just keep that in mind as we as we progress through the dual human paradox from a societal perspective, though. OK, policy changes are being introduced to promote access uh, to affordable and nutritious foods. Right. We understand that there is a variation in financial economy, financial access for families out there. But um, fortunately, we express in the past couple of episodes that. Non-communicable diseases and access economy don't all necessarily always translate, meaning that if you have financial insecurity, it doesn't justify why you eat McDonald's every single day. It doesn't justify eating fast foods every day. It doesn't justify a poor diet. Now, it it, it may justify uh, in, insufficient nutrition, but 
there is still the human factor of choice and the choice is which foods are chosen. Okay. So there are a lot of individuals that work on that. There are a lot of them. We're still having a lot of conversations about that. So maybe we might readdress that in the future, but, um, it's important to recognize that, you know, a lot of policy changes are being introduced. Um, and a lot of these changes encourage active living and also, you know, Sorry to big business. Sorry, not sorry. Limiting the advertising of unhealthy foods, you know, and even with that being said, you know, sometimes people make the misconception of blaming big corporations. They blame big fast food chains or big soda chains or big conglomerates, big monopolies. But the, the truth is that even those big corporations are stepping in, you know, they, they now donate and, and uh, encourage wellness programs and even incentives, especially for you know, like employees to maintain a healthy weight, right? Because they have to represent a certain notion, right? But because just because you develop a product doesn't mean that you're encouraging that product to be overconsumed. <clears throat> because if that was true, then there would have been a lot more fighting on 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 putting nutrition nutrition facts on labels of like fast foods or uh, uh, serving sizes and, and regulating how much goes on a shelf or in a market, you know? So at some point we have to take ownership and take responsibility for our actions and say, despite the advertising, despite all, all the, 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 what we think might be put into the market, what we pick up, what we open up, what we cook or what we consume is up to us, right? You make the choice as if you go to the grocery store and spend $20 on some food that you can process for a week, maybe two weeks, or do you go buy the pizza who that's, that's high in sodium, high in cholesterol, high in fats, and just super stacked with all kinds of different meats and stuff, right? Just as an example, okay? Cause choice is going to be a huge factor. And that is something that we're going to definitely discuss down the line. So <clears throat> when we discuss these, right, this, these, these macro concepts, here's what I want you to understand. Choice is is the single greatest factor in all of this what you have access to is is and it is is not just the fault of who provides that access it's the person that has access to it so you have a choice and this is something that i'm going to talk about later down the line is why america is such a why the united states is such a great country and the reason why so many people flock to America, flock, she, flock, to, to make it simple. So the reason why I'm kind of dancing over those words is because I had a couple friends, international friends who say, well, Darius, in America, there's, you know, North America, there's, there's, there's other countries, and then there's a South America, and then there's Central America. So why, why do you say it like these? Okay, so <laughs> to make it more clear, the United States of America, okay? The reason why so many people flock to the United States of America, the good old U.S. of A., is for a stable word, and that is freedom. And for our personal perspective, that freedom equates to choice. We have the opportunity to choose how we love, how we live, how we eat, and the, and the things that we do from a day to day. Is there Are there different tiers and different structures to that choice? Of course, but every country has the same. But if we look at the scale of countries on planet Earth, America, had I did it again. The, U the USA has the the greatest sense of freedom and the greatest sense of choice. Okay, now that can be both a blessing and a curse because based on the human condition, we know 
that sometimes those choices aren't always going to be for the best. But there's a reason why they call it the American dream, not the Belgian dream, not the French dream, not the not the African dream, not the Central American dream. They call it the American dream. OK, they probably would have called it the USA dream if it if it had a better context to it. But the simplicity is that freedom of choice. And that's something that we have to look at. You know, so when we get to the next part of this, looking into the future, the, traje the trajectory of obesity in America will largely depend on the effectiveness of these interventions and policies, while most importantly, how we perceive our ability to choose, how we attack this notion of freedom. Because just because we have the option to do it doesn't mean that we should. Just because you have the, if you say all things considered, you have the option to choose the healthy meal or the one that's going to make you feel good in the moment doesn't mean you should invest in or sacrifice one over the other. But there are pros and cons to both. And that is it, that, that's going to be up to us when we talk about the freedom of choice and, and how how we perceive each of them. So it's about calculated risk. What is more important? Is it going to be the short term profitability, how you feel once you eat it? Or is it going to be the long term equity? What effects it's actually going to have to your health over the long term period? And the better we get at determining the difference between the two the better chances we have of of not only preventing those numbers from going up, but reversing them, reversing the notion behind them. Because if these measures are successful, we could possibly witness a gradual decline in obesity rates. And this is going to seem very vague because right now I can give you all the tools at hand to tell you how this can be successful. It's like chipping away at a stone. OK, but we could see a society where healthful foods are the norm and physical activity is an integral part of daily life. There are societies like that out there. And furthermore, maintaining a healthy weight is not just an individual responsibility. It's a collective one. Because personally, I'm in a healthy weight, right? I get up and do what I need to every single day and very particular about every single thing I eat and what I do. But that does not remove my responsibility to give back the same to the community. It doesn't remove my responsibility to continue to be an advocate for this, to continue to represent the Dura-Human Paradox and to uh, put out information for those that may not quite understand the concepts yet. But the more of us do that, the better chances we have. But if people don't think that we all have that responsibility, these interventions could fail. The obesity rates will, could continue to rise which will lead to an increased burden on the healthcare system, spiraling costs, and wow, the most painful part about this, a generation whose life expectancy could be shorter than that of its parents. So in either scenario, the impact on our nation's health, economy, and the societal fabric will be significant. And this, ladies and gentlemen, just truly underscores the urgency to address this issue with the seriousness that it deserves. So I encourage you, I challenge you to go back and understand each of these three parts, to dive into the saga 
to make it a part of your daily responsibility, your duty to not only protect and serve your own health, but to secure and provide for future generations to live a happier, healthier, and more robust quality of life. But until next time, always forward.